When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Now. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Our guest today is the asset manager for over 85 units and 85,000 square feet of work for workforce housing across Virginia and North Carolina. He's also the host of the Dreamcatchers podcast. Jerome Myers is the founder of the Myers Development Group. Jerome, welcome to Purchase to Profits. It's great to have you on the show. Seth, I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you for having me. No, the pleasure is all mine. Really really looking forward to this. So um, let's kick things off and talk about your real estate goals right now. Where are you looking to go in real estate? Yeah, so, you know, we're a multifamily investor, as you alluded to, and we really focus on workforce housing. Our our ambition is a thousand doors by 2028. And, you know, that is some small to some and large to others. And we feel good about it. We think we can get there and we can probably meet and exceed that goal. But, you know, it's a thousand doors and a hundred people. We like JVs more than syndications. And so we want to partner with a hundred people and buy a thousand Nice. I, I love that. And so let me ask you then, how did you come up with the thousand unit goal? Was it just an arbitrary big number or what, what went into that? No, I think most people can live off of $80,000 a year. And so if somebody owns, uh, I think it was 1% of the portfolio as we performed it out, then they end up with $80,000 in cash flow a year. And so for us, it's about leading people to financial freedom. And if you can't live off $80,000, you've got a really nice lifestyle and you're probably doing some other things that's generating cash flow in other ways. And so if you're on our team, you, you could probably live a very comfortable life just by owning 1% of the portfolio. Yeah, I, I like that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the time frame 2028. Um, what sort of things... Uh, do you suggest people do when they're setting those goals and those time horizons for them? Because 2028, we are, uh, we're, oh no, we're still in October. So October 2019 now. Uh, so yeah. we, we've, we've got a little less than 10 years to go. So how do you 
how do you approach uh, timeframes and setting all that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, we just wanted to make it what we thought was attainable. At the point when we set the goal, we were only, I think, 40 units in or maybe 45 units into the goal. And we thought, man, we'll have to ramp a little bit in order to get to a pace where it's sustainable and consistent throughout the process. So we figured 100 doors a year. And over the course of 10 years, we'd be able to get there. Now, we understand that scale happens. And as our portfolio grows, we'll do bigger and bigger deals. And so with that said, we're probably going to exceed that goal. But the reality of the situation for us is we, we thought that it was reasonable for 10 years. And I, I guess the other thing is I'm, I'm a pretty big dreamer, Seth, and I've set some really ambitious goals and I've been able to hit those. But the sacrifice that came with them, I'm not sure that it was worth the sacrifice that I had to make. So I'm toying with this idea of what actually am I willing to sacrifice for what I want to get and keeping some type of, I don't want to call it balance because I think everything kind of intertwines in the space that we're in. I, I don't think there's true work and true play. I think there's all a mix of it and they influence each other. But, you know, if I tried to land this point or land this plane, it would totally be about having a, enjoying the journey instead of just having my nose to the grindstone. I, I want to enjoy the process. I've, I've worked 60, 70, 80 hour weeks and that wasn't fun. Yeah. You know, let's explore that a little, a little bit. Cause I, I find that interesting. Um, so would you say one of the lessons there is that you should only set goals where it's worth it or, or how? Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is we, we only get one life, right? I mean, some people believe in reincarnation, but, as the person that you are today, you only get to do this trip one time. And so if you don't enjoy the journey, then what's the point? And I think a lot of people have a really hard time having gratitude or being grateful for where they are and because they think their happiness is always in that next spot. And what I've found in accomplishing some of the things that I've accomplished over the years is that even when you get to the next spot, you're going to say, oh, is this it? And then you got to have the other thing to keep going to, because if not, then you just feel lost. And so, you know, long story short, you know, it's all about enjoying the process and going on the journey. And, you know, our podcast is dream catching. It's not dream chasing. We want to get there, enjoy, celebrate, and then go to the next thing. Um, this perpetual idea of you don't ever finish is one that I don't quite understand, Seth, if I'm completely honest. I think a lot of people get so excited about being in process or chasing something they can't attain that they don't finish anything. And I think you actually have to accomplish something. I think you actually have to say, hey, I did that. Because if you don't, then what was it all for? Yeah. No, I, I like that. And you know what, to be totally honest, that's one of my, I guess, weaknesses is I don't take enough time to actually look back and appreciate what I've already done. And when I do do that, I'm like, holy smokes, what happened? Look where I am and look where I was a year ago. But I, yeah, I, I, full, full disclosure, I, I, I need to work on that for sure. Yeah, I, it's being in gratitude. Everything comes from gratitude. And I don't care if you're trying to buy a Ferrari or you're trying to build a school in rural Africa. Like every good thing that happens in your life comes from gratitude. And 
you, you've got to appreciate the stuff that you've done. You got to appreciate the things that people have done around you. And if you can do those two things, you've got a pretty good life. It doesn't matter if you make $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. If you're grateful for all the stuff around you, it's hard to sit, look around and say, hey, my life sucks. It's my life's pretty good. It could be better. There's some things that I want and I'm willing to do the work that it takes to attain those. But while I'm here in this space, I love this place. Yeah. Oh no. One, I, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and you had mentioned before that, uh, that with uh, expanding your portfolio, you're doing a lot of JVs, not necessarily syndication. So what attracted you to that JV uh, partnership structure? I, I don't know. It might be short-sighted and small-minded. I'm not sure, Seth. It, it's not the most scalable approach, and I tend to do a lot of things that aren't scalable, but I'm seeking maximum impact, right? So with syndications, there's a very, very small amount of people who are actually in the cockpit of the plane. Um, they aren't you know, signing on the loan. They aren't at risk. They just put their money into the deal. And part of my mission is to teach other people how to do what we've been doing. Um, you know, when I was sitting on a suit with my friend Duran uh, back in college at Collegiate Commons, that was an apartment complex that we lived in, we were wondering who was making $700,000 a year by owning this apartment complex. And we, there was no school for it. We had no idea how to get into the game. And I thought that was the tragedy. And it took us like 15 years to figure out, hey, this is how you do it. Here's how you buy these large buildings. And, you know, we didn't have parents, we didn't have friends, we didn't have anybody that had done it. And so, you know, we were starting from ground zero. And so now my goal is to help people do how to help people learn how to buy these things the right way and teach other people how to make income that they don't have to show up for. That That's that's my whole mission in life right now. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about, you know, podcasts like yours, um, even mine, like we're trying to get the word out there because so many people don't know how to approach a real estate investment deal, right? That they just don't know. And, you know, you talked about, you know, wondering who owned the the properties. How did you go about educating yourself? Like, did, did you talk to people? Did you read books? How did you do it? All of the above. And I mean, I didn't really get to talk to people instead, until I started listening to podcasts and then going in and actually reaching out to the people that were guests on the shows if the contact information was in the show notes and learning that way and then talking to property managers. And what you find out pretty quickly is this is a very small world. Like the real estate world is small and then apartments is even smaller. And then if you do workforce housing and value add, which is what we do, that world gets even tighter. And so, you know, you can meet most of the operators who are doing big business in a really small amount of time. And, you know, many of the concepts are repeated podcast to podcast, but I still listen to 40 hours a week worth of content stuff. So, you know, it's continuous education, um, going to different conferences and that kind of stuff. And not only growing myself, but growing my network. Yeah, 100%. And what would you say is your number one challenge right now with your business? So I, I think the biggest one is I've outgrown my network. And I guess I can't say I've, I've outgrown my network, but we've outgrown our network. You know, I've got people that's partnered with me on deals that I've known for over 20 years. I think the one person that's in a deal with me that I haven't known for over 15 years was a guy that was on my team when I was in my last job in corporate America. 
And, you know, that says a lot about kind of who I am as a person. Like I really have a pretty tight circle. I, I don't, I don't do uh, surface talk and chit chat very well. It's always a deep conversation. And, you know, I, I consider a conference success if I talk to two people and we talk more than 10 minutes. That is a complete success for me. The, you know, floating around the room like a butterfly. I'm not that person. I, I just want to make some meaningful connections. And so uh, that part, you know, just my mental uh thought process that goes around uh, growing networks and meeting people, um, it, it's an impediment and a, maybe a roadblock that I have to remove or not. I mean, if we are, because we're partnering, right? Since it's true, a true partnership, I really want to know who I'm in the boat with because there are some people who get in your boat and they just see the hole in the boat and they don't pick up a bucket to get the water out. It's just me shoveling the water. Um, and that doesn't go over really well. And then there's the people who always say it's somebody else's fault, right? They don't ever do anything wrong or they avoid doing anything. So they can't be the reason that something didn't go well. And that doesn't work either in a true partnership. And I guess the last thing I would say on that point is I, I liken it to marriage, right? So it's kind of hard to meet somebody. And then two weeks later, you guys are getting married. And the same thing you're, with the with the JV deal, you're tying your financial future to somebody and you really want to know who you're dealing with because if things get stressful or you need something, uh, you want to know that that person's got your back because if they don't, then you might as well do the deal yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I, I've made my own mistakes partnering with the wrong people in, in the past. And, you know, a, another lesson um, would be, you know, making sure you have the same goals and you're on the same page. Um, because that, that can lead to a whole lot of issues too. Yeah, I mean, if you remove a ton of friction stuff if you guys have the same goals, right? If I got people in the JV deal who want to build a portfolio of 500 doors, we're going in the right direction. And so once we get to 500, they can get off the bus and we can keep going to 1,000, but they've reached their goal. And so you kind of, uh, you rig success by having goals and milestones that match. Yeah, for, for sure. And with yourself, um, have you developed any routines and rituals that have helped make you successful? I know you, you had mentioned, you know, education in the podcast, but is there anything else? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's really going to give me success and it might be a little silly to some, but every morning I get up between 4.45 and 5.15 and I go for a six mile walk. Nice. And I listen to content, I meditate, um, get a little weights in in the middle of that walk for a little break on the cardio, but it's get the body moving. And then when I get back, I can at least check the box and said, I did one thing right that day. Right. And I'm not doing it for time. I'm not doing it for any heart rate. I'm just, I went and did that. And then I got back. So now I've started the day with success and that momentum tends to build if you know, you, you focus on the right things. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's such an important point because it gives yourself like that feeling of accomplishment, right? It does. It absolutely does. And I, I can't emphasize that enough. The smile when I, I made that promise to myself the night before, I'm going to get up and go do this. Then I get back. I actually did that one thing. So what else can I tell myself that I'm going to do? And if I continue to do that, it's like a snowball effect. And one thing builds on another and builds on another. I was looking at my Fitbit report. I think it was uh, Saturday. 
And, you know, I walked 50 miles last week and it's just like, I've done more than what a lot of people do in a year. And so in, in, in some way, shape or form, I feel a little superior. Like I, I earned this. I deserve the thing that I got because I said I was going to do this and I did it. Um, and that just helps with confidence and a whole lot of other stuff. man. Yeah. And, and do, do you think that's necessary? So if you have a goal, it, you have to feel like you have, you deserve it. Yeah. I mean, so I played football for like 17 years, man. It, it was the mantra of coaches to tell us nobody's working as hard as you, nobody's making the sacrifices you're making. And it always came up when times got hard, they came back to that exact same mantra. You guys deserve this more than them. You've worked harder than them. All you've got to do is push a little bit harder and they'll break because they haven't made the sacrifices you make. And, you know, whether it's somebody in a jersey and pads on the other side of the football line from you or it's life, right? If I feel like I'm outworking life, then these things that I'm working towards, and I think a lot of my goals are kind of outrageous, um, they'll, they'll happen for me because I've applied the pressure until the result came. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. That's a really good lesson. Um, let's switch over to a Keystone deal. So a deal that made a big impact on you and your business. Um, is there one that comes to mind? Yeah. So Towns at Lindley Park is uh, a 26 unit we closed in Greensboro, North Carolina, back in February of 2019. And that deal was on, I think it was on LoopNet for about $1.5 million, maybe a little bit more. We came in, we were able to buy that deal for one point three seven five. The great thing about that deal is it appraised for 1.75, right? And so we don't have to come in and do a heavy value add on it. It's just a paper management type uh, value add where we're giving the utilities back to the residents. And those utilities will add um, like 30% to the bottom line. So we're giving them back water and sewer. We're giving them back gas. We're giving them back electricity. And the only thing that we're keeping, and I want to figure out a way to take care of this, and I think it's just going to be a rent bump, is uh, internet and cable. So the previous owner signed a contract for like three or five years on internet and cable. And so we can't get out of that contract. But as we raise our rents, I think we'll be able to accommodate or you know, cover that expense that we have. Yeah. And and you said you found it on LoopNet, which is, you know, mm-hmm. lots of people now say you can't find deals, uh, you know, on uh, on the MLS. So, you know, why, why do you think nobody else, like, why did, why didn't anybody else pick up this deal? And why did you see opportunity? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. So LoopNet for a lot of people is a place where deals go to die. Um, I, I don't believe in that, though. I, I think you can find opportunities in every space. It's just a matter of you looking at the deal the right way, making a credible offer, and giving that broker you know, um, confidence that you're going to close. Right? Certainty of close is probably the most important thing for any seller, especially if you've got a long due diligence period. And we put a long one in. You know, we're, we're probably four or five months in on our due diligence. And you know, we negotiate on some of that, but you know, we're not going to be less than 90 days. We just don't feel like it's reasonable to get through the deal in that amount of time. So I, I think a lot of people didn't see the play that we saw, which is taking student housing, which a lot of people think is kind of the holy grail, and turning it into workforce housing. What we noticed when we were going through the rent rolls is that 
the majority of people that were living there weren't students. So imagine, you know, somebody who's a young professional renting a bedroom, they don't have a roommate, and they're renting a whole townhouse for 400 bucks a month, and it includes all the utilities. They're winning, right? Yeah. And it, it was, there were like five or six cases of that. And so we saw a real opportunity to get on one lease, give them the utilities back, and then, you know, that in and of itself, even if we had to drop our rents a little bit, was a winning strategy for that property. Yeah, and when you first saw the deal on LoopNet, uh, did you, like, what was, what was the main thing that attracted you to it? Was it uh, your inside knowledge of the market and, and seeing that opportunity? Or what was the big green flashing light? I, for me, it was location. So this is in what we thought was a B area. Um, later on, we found out that it's probably B minus C, but that's okay. It's a, it's a little older complex, but it, it was location. And so what we buy, it, we, we want to buy things that we want to keep forever or, or until somebody wants it a whole lot more than what we wanted. Yeah. And so everything we buy is the ambition to keep it seven to 10 years. And we look to refi in year two or year three of the deal and return principal and then continue to go on. But really it was location and everybody who looked at the deal looked at it as um, student housing. And because we didn't take that approach, we could make the numbers make sense for us. Yeah. I, I like that thinking outside, well, not necessarily outside the box, but seeing things that other people are just not even like, they're not even factoring in. Yeah. So, I mean, now, what, what's the secret then to doing that? Because, you know, somebody might be listening or watching right now and, you know, how, how do they expand their mind so they can see those opportunities? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the most important thing is the people you're around. And so, you know, we've, We've got a group of guys that have all been investing with me since we started back in uh, the end of 2016. And we, we throw stuff around. Um, if I get a call from a broker for the pocket listing, we want to be the first person to tour the property. We want to be the first person to send an LOI in. And before we can do the LOI, we've got to have our strategy so that we know what we can offer, right? We've got a quick analysis to know, hey, the ballpark wise, here's what the property is worth but we're going I'm going to look at the deal because we don't I only invest in my backyard I'm going to look at the deal when I get the phone call I'll let guys know hey here's what's going on and then we kind of tag team it and there's a bunch of people who interject hey what about this did you think about this I heard this on this podcast or I read this in a book look for this look for that and you know it's kind of like bringing all the tentacles together on the octopus and i'm there smiling at the broker saying all right uh, expect the loi this evening and you know that's kind of our strategy to win for the stuff that we've been buying we're competing with dentists and doctors and attorneys and they just can't drop what they're doing to go buy and we can because this is all i do all i do is the multifamily stuff so yeah and, and, you know, that just goes to show you that, like, multifamily real estate is a team sport. You can't just have Absolutely. one mind looking at a deal. It's all about having the, those multiple eyeballs. Agreed. 3,000% yeah. on that one, so. Yeah. And so, you know, what sort of impact has getting involved in real estate investing had on your life so far? I'm free, right? Yeah. Uh, the first of the month is coming up, and 
I won't do anything between the first and the fifth to collect rent and it's going to go in, right? I don't, I do my own reporting for the folks that are in the syndication, but are not in the syndication in the JVs, but you know, I could just send the report that the property manager sends. I, I don't work the 60, 70, 80 hours a week like I used to for somebody else. And I mean, that, that part is kind of the, I won't call it kind of, it was the toughest part for me when I think about it now. So, you know, I was working for a, a pretty large utility company. Well, it was actually a utility contractor and we built this huge business. So we went from $0 to $20 million in a year. And there was like 170 employees over the course of eight months. And I was just like, look, man, this is insane. And I, I, I just, I was so excited about it, but the amount of sacrifice that I had to make in order to build that, and then to see how, what I consider ungrateful people were for the sacrifices that were made, mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to do that anymore. But I do want to build something for myself. And even if I don't make as much money as I've been making, the fact that I kind of built my own and I'm making a positive impact on the community will all make it worth it instead of, Hey, I'm just making 30% profits for somebody who doesn't even value what I'm contributing to society. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, looking ahead 10 years from now, so you'll, you would have, you'll, you will have hit your goal of a thousand units. Um, how will your life have changed in 10 years? Yeah, I think, it will not be about what my portfolio is, but the students who come through the Myers methods of multifamily investing courses and masterminds and that kind of stuff. It's about really about teaching other people how to do this and helping them go do these deals successfully. Cause I, I right or wrong, I feel like we're, we're in an interesting space in the education world where I think some people are being taken advantage of. I, I think people are spending, I've seen amounts of money for things that um, aren't even getting them the results that they desire. And for some people, maybe they aren't going to get results anyway. But I, there are some people who I think absolutely could get results with the right guidance and they aren't getting them, but they are broke and that they weren't broke before they got started. And, you know, without any education, people will be broke. They're going to lose money in deals because there's just too many gotchas out there. But my, my desire is to change the paradigm and adjust this so that people can make a reasonable investment in their education, get the knowledge that they need in order to be successful and not get hurt, and then you know, still have some capital available where they can invest in their own deal instead of relying on everybody else to do it for them. Because yeah. that, I don't, I don't think that's a winning proposition. Yeah. And while if somebody's looking to reach out and get in touch with you and learn about the programs you have, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. So I think on social media, the best place to collect is on LinkedIn. Um, Last name is M-Y-E-R-S. And I'm the only person in Greensboro, North Carolina with that name. Um, Dreamcatchers podcast is available on every platform. And, you know, you I really appreciate any support that folks would give us there. I think we do a good mix of mindset and real estate based stuff and just hearing stories. So, you know, my thesis on life is dreams should be real, right? That, that is the end all be all on on my thoughts on what life is and should be. And so 
if you need proof of that concept, that's what the Dreamcatchers podcast is. It's people who come in and tell their story on how they got where they got. Um, we believe that success leaves clues. And so, you know, between LinkedIn and the podcast, um, you know, you'll be able to catch up with me. And from there, we can talk about what other programs we have going on. I've probably got five or 10 different websites out there. So I don't think it's appropriate to drown them out with that. <laughs> no, that, that sounds good. Well, Jerome, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time um, and, and sharing your success and stories with us. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Yeah, it, it was my pleasure. And uh, to you, our reviewers, I wish you well on your journey from purchase to profits. See you next time. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.